Welcome to The Power of Data, the podcast by Dun & Bradstreet. Data is everywhere, and there is more created every second of every day. Join us to hear from leaders unlocking the value of data. Hi, welcome back to The Power of Data podcast with Dun & Bradstreet. I'm Sam, and I'm joined today by Lei Chen, the Chief Credit Officer of Lenovo. Welcome, Zhao Wuhao, Jiandao Nihen Gaoxi. Thank you very much, Sam. It's my great pleasure to talk with you and also share how we look at the power of data. And Diana Bernstreet is uh, more than decades of a long-term partner of uh, Lenovo, and uh, we're very happy to work with you and your company. So it's my pleasure. And we're delighted. This is actually the first podcast I've done between, in fact, not even just Singapore, where you're based, but between London and Asia. So this is a day of many firsts. I've also spoken Mandarin for the first time. I can't promise that I'll speak anymore. But as you and I were talking before we started recording, English is the professional language of Lenovo. And and you've been at Lenovo for, I think, 14 years. Looking through and talking to you about your past, you've been all over the world. You've been in Beijing, you've been in Slovakia, you've been in Singapore. Can you tell our listeners a little bit about your career to date? Yeah, and uh, I believe Lenovo really show how Chinese company oriented from China then grows as a global company operated in more than 160 countries. So currently, I'm chief credit officer of Lenovo Group. I took this position since 2012. So I manage the global Lenovo Worldwide Credit. I was relocated from Beijing to Singapore. Before that, I was the credit director for Lenovo Emerging Market since 2010 to 2012, located in Beijing to handle the credit for the emerging market. At that time, Lenovo divided by two market groups. One is for emerging market, and another is for the mature market. Basically, emerging market are all the developing countries, China, Russia, Brazil, Latin America, Middle East, Southeast Asia, those countries. A lot of opportunity, but mm-hmm. of course, from risk management perspective, a lot of challenging. Before that, I was an Lenovo EMEA Europe, Middle East, Africa credit manager. So I spent three years in Bratislava, where Lenovo had an operation center in Slovakia. So I was relocated to there in 2007. So I was the first Chinese manager there to work with my colleagues from Slovakia and from Scotland, you know, from nine nations. So it was a really good experiences for me international. So that's all my experiences in Lenovo. You know, it's really exciting. It's really exciting because you work with the people from different countries with different cultures, but they have the same Lenovo culture, the same way to do the business, the same way to fulfill our jobs. So it's really exciting. So that's why I keep working in Lenovo for 16 years, <laughs> not just 14. <laughs> Lenovo is one of the great Chinese companies. And I mean, reading up on Lenovo's history, it's, it's incredible. It's only a little bit older than I am to date myself. It was started in the 1980s, but it's the world's largest personal computer end-to-end company. And when I say end-to-end for the listeners, that's design, develop, manufacture, distribute and sell. It's acquired some of the coolest companies on the planet. It's acquired businesses from IBM. It's acquired businesses from Google. All sorts. Fujitsu, I think I read about. So tell us a little bit about the company and, and the journey you've been on. Okay. Lenovo was founded in 1984 in China. We start the name with Legend, not Lenovo. And I believe that we start with 200,000 RMB paid up capital. At the very beginning, we distribute PCs and all the IT-related. 
Then in the 1980s or early 90s, we start our own brand. Legend start to manufacture our own brand and became number one in China. Maybe in 1996, and then you know a big step of Lenovo was in 2003. We change our brand in the name of our brand from Legend to Lenovo. The reason we change our English name, you know, Legend is quite popular in English. So we realize in a lot of countries it's already registered and trademark. So we created a word Lenovo. You know, the first two words of Legend and Lenovo is an innovation. From innovation, so we created a new world. You can see at that time, actually, we are really prepared to go outside of China, go abroad. So a big step was in 2005, we acquired IBM PC Dimensions and become a global company. At that time, I believe when Lenovo just acquired IBM PC Dimensions, the total market share was only seven percent globally, totally, and we were number three or number four in the world. But we became number one market share in 2013. So after around eight years of acquisition, we triple our revenue and our market share today. I believe 24% market share globally, and also our profit increased more than three times. So it was a very successful acquisition. After that, back to 2011, we acquired NEC PC, and in 2017, Fujitsu PC in Japan. But we keep the brand. So now, actually, if you tell me in which country Lenovo has the biggest market share, I can tell you the two countries: our homeland, China, and Japan. In both countries, we have more than 40% market share. So this is for the PC, and we acquired the Motorola Mobility mobile phones from Google in 2015. This was also a step into the mobile business, and we successfully actually turn this business to break even. And meanwhile, we also acquired IBM X86 servers to build the foundation of our digital data center business. Now, both mobile phone and data center business become important part of the Lenovo's strategy to build up our three S strategy: smart Internet of Things, smart infrastructure. Smart verticals. So this is where we are now. Lenovo basically have a two business group. One is called IDG Intellectual Devices Group. Basically, you know, it's including laptop, desktop, tablet, and mobile phones. All those devices, IT related devices, belong to the IDG group. Another group is the DCG Data Center Group. The server storage,、uh, hyperscales, all such kind of intelligent IT infrastructure things. Actually, everybody knows Lenovo is number one for PC, but、uh, actually, in the hyperscale supercomputing, we are also number one in the world. You know, for the top 500 supercomputers, the quickest computers, 174 are built sold by Lenovo, and also it covers more than 14 markets. So this is、uh, where we are. As you just mentioned,、mm-hmm. yes, we provide end-to-end solutions. From the manufacturer distribution to everything, not just for PC, also for the servers, the data centers, for all kinds of devices. And our target will be to be a system solution provider, so integrated solution for customers, smart solution. Because we believe our customers not just need the hardware or simply software, they need an integrated solution, smart solution. So we build our competence for Lenovo to become a solution provider. Services, software, hardware, total solution to our customers. It's really useful to hear a bit more about the strategic details. And listening to you talk about the smart IoT, smart infrastructure, and smart verticals bit is really illuminating. 
Data and analytics can be more valuable than ever during uncertain times. The Dunn and Bradstreet team came together and asked ourselves, if we were a small business, what would we want right now? The answer? To use the DNB Business Essentials platform to find new customers and manage credit. Free for the first three months. To find out more, visit dnb.co.uk forward slash business essentials. You're already one of the biggest organizations in the world in the spaces you operate. What's your ultimate business objective as a firm? What does success look like for you in, in five years' time? Our mission is very clear. We will become the leader and the enabler of the intellectual transformation. Now the world will be translated from the traditional commercial or the consumer side from you know traditional work to an intelligent work with uh, you know 5G, with a big data, with uh, all kinds of things. So the novel, our mission want to be a leader and enabler for such kind of intelligent transformation by providing the smart IoT things, smart Internet of Things, smart infrastructure, smart vertical solutions to our customers. Your customers have come to rely on you and you talk about being a leader. And leadership mm-hmm. is of paramount importance at a time like this. And you know, I'd be remiss not to make mention of the macro situation we're all faced with at the moment with COVID-19. Lenovo has a duty to its customers, its customers who rely on Lenovo infrastructure. What have been the key priorities for you guys as you work your way through this situation? How are you keeping your business continuity plans in place and making sure that you deliver for those that trust and rely on you? You're absolutely right. This is currently the top priority of the whole company. Our strategy is to back to basics and prepare for the future. What back to basics, the first priority is to protect our employee, protect the people, you know, keep safe and uh, keep healthy. Because without employee, we are nothing. Yeah. So we rely on our employees and uh, this is uh, our priority one. Another, exactly customers, protect our customers. And uh, especially to capture the customer need, demanding. Actually, for our industry, for the PCs, we find the customer demand increase due to the COVID-19 spread, due to the lockdown, because one, more people need the work from home or study from home. So they don't just need one laptop, they need two or three laptops. And the laptop is a machine to empower your uh, efficiency. It's a working machine. It's not like a smartphone. Smartphone is a machine for entertainment. That's okay. But if you want to work from home, I believe laptop will be more efficient. So that's why we find out our demand from our customers in this quarter actually increased. So uh, you are absolutely right. How can we support our customers? This is essential. So we need to ensure our supplies and our deliveries, our service, our logistics, everything not to be interrupted. Actually, we are, I believe, one of the Chinese companies who captured the 100%, resume 100% capacity for manufacturer. Where we are the earliest one, even for our factory in Wuhan, now it's 100% capacity already. So, wow. yeah, with such capacity, manufacturing capacity, then we can fulfill our customers. So this is what we call the basics, because as a company, basically is to fulfill customers' demand. The third basic thing related to my function is to protect our cash flow. Protect our cash flow, that means we should collect on time and also reduce non-essential expense, reduce capex, 
Now, all the CapEx are under review of a group controller. There are priorities. We suspend all the unnecessary spendings and all the travel also are canceled. And also the new hiring suspended. And also for the corporate, our annual merit and the promotion will be suspended for next year. So basically, we also tighten control our expense and know our expense and to improve the efficiency. So this is back to the basics to support our customers. Because to be honest, I believe, you know, currently nobody can say the country's lockdown, whether or not the situation will get better in June or in next quarter. Nobody, nobody can give a certain answers. It depends mm. on how the global pandemic contained and whether we can have a vaccine. When can we have the vaccine? But we do see the new opportunities. So we need to also find out the new opportunities. Because companies realize they should work remotely. So that's not just demanding of a laptop, also servers, also cloud computings, all kinds of things. And also more the commercial, I believe, all commercial demand will come after the COVID-19 that's to transform their company to digitalization and the intelligences. So I believe there will be opportunities after COVID-19. But first, we need to ensure we will survive during this. Yeah, We will not lose our cash and our customers, our manufacturing capacities, then prepare mm-hmm. for the new opportunity. I can give you an example. In Japan, the Ministry of Education in Japan, they have a plan to give each primary school student a laptop. It used to be a three-year project. That means from this year to 2024. Now, I believe probably in order to stimulate the economy, they have squeezed this project one and one half year. So they wow. give additional budget to the schools. That means for our customers, I need to double or even triple their credit limit. So it, yeah. it's, a, you know, it's very exciting for credit. We have a new business, but also a challenge if we double a credit limit for one distributor, even if it's our big distributor. Totally right. And for our listeners, you know, many of our listeners are business owners or run businesses, and this won't come as a surprise to them. Trade credit is critically important in highly competitive technology and hardware spaces. And never has it been, I think, so important as now when your customers are not conducting business face-to-face, everything has moved digital. It's probably the start of a substantial shift in trends. And therefore, your clients, customers are going to be seeking credit on a much more regular basis. I actually read that 95% of Lenovo revenue is sold with credit. That's a huge number, and it makes your job super important in the company. So can you tell us a little bit about how your credit strategy, you think it's going to adapt through COVID-19? Yes, and you know, this is industrial practice, you know, not just Lenovo, also for our peer companies in the IT, in the PC industry. It's Mm. a standard practice of sales to the distributor, sales to customer by open credit. Even for the emerging market, if you don't do this way, you will have no opportunity. Nobody will buy your product. That's a challenge we are facing. And for the credit strategy, and are always strategy, not just during the COVID-19, you know, credit is a half size and a half art. You know? mm-hmm. <laughs> it's based on the data, based on the numbers, based on financials. And also in another half, it's also based on the experiences, based on how do you know your customers, you know, your partnership with your customers. So our credit strategy is always to support the Lenovo business as much as possible, and meanwhile to protect Lenovo's credit risks. 
because PC industry actually is not a high margin industry. If you look at the novel finance statement, our gross margin is only 16%. So we cannot afford big loss of bad debt right off. In another hand, the industry is about open credit. So we cannot have two tighten credit policies. We'll lose the opportunity. So that means we need to build up good end-to-end process to cover our 20,000 customers to make your strategy work. Because the strategy is in one hand to support the business, another hand protect risk. But how? We did the methodology. So I believe the foundation is a strong methodology. The good thing is that when we acquired IBM PCD, actually we started to build up our first version of a global credit operation methodology since 2006. So now it's already 14 years. We have a very matured credit methodology and a credit team to manage the global credit. We have a team, not just Chinese, we have a team globally in United States and also have a couple of team members in UK as well and in Russia, in India, in Middle East, Brazil, Argentina, in all such important countries and regions. We have a credit manager, experienced credit managers. They don't just look at the numbers, the data from the financials. They also regular site visit to our customers to do a due diligence check, to check how things go on, to check their inventories, warehouses. Also, we rely on the global partner like Dan Street and also some other you know data agencies to provide the data sent to our customers. Uh, especially like in US, Japan, in Europe, and in China. We like to have the automatically data. When we want the data, we push a button and we have the data to do analysis. This is how we handle it. Because overall, the new credit, we only have less than 40 people, less than 40 analysts and credit managers. So we need automatic process, automatic powerful tools to handle almost 20,000 customers. You're so right. If you think about it, you may have customers who are really strong businesses, but if their distributors don't have such strong finances, they can really put the risk level pretty high. And then the role of data becomes so, so important. And you want real-time data ultimately. Dun & Bradstreet has some incredible API-enabled products like Direct Plus that help ensure that you're getting the data, as you say, at the press of a button. And the question here really is, as technology evolves and new sources of data become available, how do you see this influencing the way trade credit is managed? What do you think the impact on the wider profession is going to be where there's an abundance of multi-layered data available at the touch of a button? Actually, you know, you're right. Especially for our distributors, a lot of customer distributors, you know, they don't have much fixed assets. Compared with the credit limit we offer to them, the net worth is relatively, sometimes is even not enough to cover the credit. So how can we ensure our credit limit, our credit exposure? I believe the real-time data is important, but real-time data is not something like the financials. It's, uh, for example, the customer's inventory. Their account receivable data, their account payable to the novels. How their profitabilities? Yeah. So that's why I mentioned we have credit managers on site to do the regular, regular due diligence check with our customers, to visit customers in regular basis, to understand how their business going on, real going on, what happened on the ground. So by that means, we collect a lot of real data ourselves and then compare with the data from the bureau report, like the Burn Street Bureau report. Then we can make an analysis to which level we are comfortable about the yeah. offer credit to them. 
Actually, we also use such data to convince the credit insurance company to offer more credit to them because sometimes insurance companies are more conservative. So if their limits are not enough to support our business, actually we can share some data with them to convince they don't need to worry, especially for the distributors. And this is critical, I believe. We must have people on the ground to understand what happened and to have a real-time data. Also, in case something's going wrong and the local credit manager can work with our sales team, our finance team, our legal team to take quick action. No need to go to Singapore, go to Beijing, go to headquarters, then decide what to do. So this is, uh, you know, this is my experiences, you know, how can I manage the creditors? And you talk about having people on the ground. How important is it also? I mean, Lenovo is a huge global business, as we've spoken about. Uh, Dun & Bradstreet, also a big global business. How important is it? being partnered with a global firm that matches your cross-border operations for your strategy? That's a very good question. Actually, you know, one of our core competencies is that we have a global sourcing and a local delivery. Global sourcing, I believe, also including to work with the global partners like Dan and Brand Street. This is important for the Nova to choose a partner, not just for credit bureau report, also, for example, when we choose a credit insurance partner, I also choose the top global insurers because I don't want to sign a multiple insurance policy with the different insurers in different regions. It will be very difficult for me to handle it. I can tell you now, I handle the credit insurance with only two people and I handle the credit bill report with only one people. That's the reason, you know, I prefer the global company like Dan Burns Street because it will improve your efficiency a lot. You know, also for our cash management, we also choose several tier one global, tier one bankers, international banks to handle our accounts. That's yeah. why, you know, Nova Treasury team, you know, to manage cash, I think also 30 something. Think about to manage a 50 billion billions of cash, only 30 people. Yeah. Yeah. So based on my experiences with Don Brand Street, and this is a real advantage of a global you know, uh, companies because it can help me. But as I just mentioned, locally, we also need local knowledge. Mm-hmm. Like our global credit insurance company, they have the local underwriter t- underwriting teams to understand. Then, Bernstreet, you also have local partners. Yeah. So mm-hmm. this is important for us. We also have a local credit manager. So I believe the global sourcing and the local delivery, that's how I choose partners for the credit data and the credit insurance. Absolutely. And I'm delighted to hear you say that, Leigh, because one of the things we've always prided ourselves on at Dunham Bradstreet is being truly global. Exactly. Uh, own data yeah. and acquire data from every single corner of the earth. But that local delivery, you know, you you being able to pick up the phone at any time to Andrew Wu, our Greater China CEO, is a really, really important relationship nuance mm. that, that not many firms, I think, can deliver. One of the things I'd love to ask, and I have the ability, the privilege to ask you these sorts of questions, through corona and the economic stoppage, what advice would you give business owners and business leaders? What kind of guidance could you give them? I don't think it will be some guidance, maybe just share some of my thoughts. The first is, as I mentioned, back to the basics to protect your companies. Only keep the essential, you know, keep the essential spendings and also definitely fulfill your customers, retain your customers. Otherwise, if you insult your customer in current crisis and then when it stops, then your customer will leave you definitely because without customer, no company can survive. 
Second thing that I also noticed because we are on a supply chain, some of the customers want the longer payment term to the novel or whatever. But I don't think you know to squeeze the working capital, the liquidity of a whole supply chain will work. Because if, for example, the retailer, the BP come to the novel, say I cannot pay you because of the lockdown, so I have to pay you one month later. Then the novel go to the our supplier. Sorry, because our customer cannot pay us, and I cannot pay you. This will only make things worse. So I don't recommend actually to squeeze the liquidity for the whole supply chain. Actually, I hope that you know the other partners sit together to resolve the issue, to find a solution, resolve issue, and share the cost, share the burden. This is what we are doing. We are doing with our customers, with our distributor and retailers. We sit down with them to understand their difficulties. Also, we share with them our difficulties because now all the company face the pressure of liquidity. The same as mm-hmm. Lenovo, we also have a pressure of liquidity. So we don't have a luxury to say, okay, everybody, all the partners, all the BPs, you can pay me certain days later. No, we don't have a luxury of cash to do that. But we do sit down together with our channels, with our BPs to find a solution case by case and to discuss how we resolve the issue, how if there is an additional funding cost and how we share it. We also introduce some banks to help us. So I believe now, because this COVID-19 pandemic, first, is a global thing. Second, it's not just for one industry, for every industry. So yeah. it's a very, very complicated. Yeah, I feel even more complicated than 2008, 2009 financial crisis. So I believe the right way is not to squeeze others, squeeze your suppliers, but sit down together, find a solution. This is my suggestion. I completely agree. I think the collaborative approach has to be adopted. And the difference between 2008 and now, in 2008 was through mismanagement of risk, and there were definitely people to blame. This is something that was far less avoidable and is impacting everyone equally, which I think lends itself to being a much more collaborative environment to find a solution. And I asked you for your advice for businesses. One of the questions I always like to ask people on the podcast is really who they draw their inspiration from. And at Lenovo, you've got some wonderful leaders. I know you've got some incredible board members. You work very closely, I know, with uh, Mr. Yang, Yuan King, your chief exec and chairman. Who are some of the people in your world and your career who've inspired you to be the best leader you can be? This is a very good question. And actually, I'm the second chief credit officer of Lenovo. The people who inspired me was uh, my previous boss and first chief credit officer of Lenovo. And now he's a, a data center group, CFO of Lenovo group, James Snow. And when I took my first non-Chinese jobs as an Asia-Pacific credit manager, he was my boss. He gave me the ideas, you know, uh, how to manage the multinational companies, how to work with them. Because he was from IBM. At that time, to be honest, I, I didn't have much experiences how to handle, you know, different culture, handle the different way of doing work, and how to make things done, but the way people like it. He gave me a lot of insight. Because at the very beginning, you know, at the very beginning of your careers, when you just step, uh, for example, as a Chinese manager to manage the business outside of China is quite important. Somebody guide you as your tutor and your mentor to teach you how to do the things, not just the hard skill, more important, the soft skills, the culture things. Actually, in the novel, there are very good practice. You know, there are tutors and also the mentors for each level to teach you and to give advices, especially about such soft skills. 
This is critical for the career development, I believe, for all the managers, no matter what level of the managers is critical. Yeah. I'm a total subscriber to that. One of my favorite quotes is by an English physicist and mathematician called Isaac Newton. And he said, if I had seen further, it is by standing upon the shoulders of giants. And I, I think you're absolutely right. Learning from the masters that have gone before us is so, so important. Lei, thank you. It's been a real pleasure talking to you today. For our listeners to put into scale, you know, Lenovo is, for Dun & Bradstreet, the perfect client. It's a truly global business. It's a pioneer. It's one of China's greatest businesses. It's a, a company with tens of thousands, I think 60, 70,000 employees around the world and over 160 different countries it's serving people. It really reflects some of our core principles as a global firm that wants to enable faster, quicker, more efficient, more accurate, more trustworthy business. And Leia, your particular role at your company is critical. And it's a real pleasure to help make your job a little bit easier. So huge thanks. Thank you for today. It's been great to talk to you in Singapore. Have a good afternoon. We look forward to talking soon. Yeah, most of will come. It's my pleasure to also talk with you. And uh, as I just mentioned at the beginning, Dan Brand Street are really a truly partner of Lenovo. And uh, stay healthy, stay safe. <laughs> and you, look after yourself, yeah. your, your family stay, and your Stay teams. safe. Thank you. Find out more about how Dun & Bradstreet can help your business be better. Contact us at marketinguk at dnb.com. And remember to subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and Google Podcasts.